The Road to Rediscovery is sponsored by BetterHelp. Let me ask you something. Is there something interfering with your happiness or preventing you from achieving your goals? You know, for me growing up, feelings of anxiety, inadequacy, doubt, and even imposter syndrome got in the way uh, of me reaching my goals and reaching my full potential, right? So BetterHelp addresses these and more. It's not a crisis line and it's not self-help. It's professional therapy done securely online. BetterHelp will assess your needs and match you with your own licensed professional therapist. You can log into your account anytime and send a message to your therapist. You'll get timely and thoughtful responses, plus you can schedule weekly video or phone sessions so you won't have to ever sit in an uncomfortable waiting room as with traditional therapy. It's more affordable than traditional offline therapy and, get this, financial aid is even available. BetterHelp wants you to start living a happier life today. They mean it. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Road to Rediscovery. That's Better H-E-L-P and join the over 1 million people taking charge of their mental health with the help of an experienced professional. And there's a special offer for our Road to Rediscovery listeners. Get 10% off your first month when you register at BetterHelp.com slash Road to Rediscovery. We're all on this journey of life together. And it sure feels good to know professional help is within our reach with BetterHelp. Again, that's Better H-E-L-P. Thanks to BetterHelp for sponsoring this podcast. Our lives are laid out on a road of bumps, turns, struggles, and more. How do we respond? How do we endure adversity for learning and growth? I'm Aubrey Johnson, and we'll explore these questions and more on The Road to Rediscovery. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of The Road to Rediscovery. I'm your host, Aubrey Johnson. The Road to Rediscovery is about reflecting on life lessons to learn and grow from them, and of course, take it to the next level and help others who are struggling through dark times. Now, as you know, on The Road to Rediscovery, we are very, very passionate about delivering quality content that is of value to you and your personal growth. If you like what you hear and you wish to support, please visit roadtorediscovery.com slash donate. That's road, the number two, rediscovery.com slash donate. We'll give you a shout out in a future episode. And as always, there is no obligation. We are truly, truly grateful for your listenership. I have a couple questions for my listeners here. For those of you who have dogs, have you ever looked at your pooch from across the room or maybe out of the kitchen window and, and asked, asked yourself, like, what in the world is going through his mind? Or how many of you are completely, you feel that you are completely aware of how and what your dog thinks about you? And lastly, I want to ask you this. Do you want to not only learn how to determine their moods, but also how to address certain problems such as anxiety, timidness, and aggression? Well, my special guest is a certified professional dog trainer, certified separation anxiety trainer, fear-free professional trainer, and more. And she helps strengthen the relationship between her clients and their dogs, enhancing the lives of both cohesively. Ladies and gentlemen, please help me welcome 
Stephanie Barger to the show. Hey, Stephanie, welcome to the show. It's great to have you here. Oh, it's great to be here. I'm so looking excited. I'm excited about tonight. <laughs> oh, thank you so much. I'm excited about tonight as well, for sure. So uh, can you first, first off, can you share with the listeners, uh, is there anything, and if so, what is it that puts dogs above and beyond um, any other animal when it comes to human interaction? I understand, you know, people, pet owners don't just have dogs. There's some who have snakes and rabbits and chickens and pigs even, you know, um, but, but from a human interaction perspective, what puts dogs, if anything, um, just above and beyond um, how, how they deal with humans versus other animals? Well, I think a lot of it has to do with the fact that we have a long history of um, modifying dogs to be able to do things um, in our human world that are of benefit to us. Um, mm -hmm. On top of that, they're extremely receptive to us. Mm -hmm. um, and so that that companion animal aspect um, that is becoming more and more prevalent mm -hmm. um, that started off as, you know, helping with the flock. And, and we still do some of that. But so many dogs are now companion animals and they're just very receptive to our body language, our moods. Um, and they're great companions to kind of help us do things. Um, we use them. They have different jobs. So I think that the, their versatility, I think, has a lot to do with it, too, mm -hmm. um, where they can go hiking with us. Um, right. You're not not normally going to take your cat or your snake with you hiking. <laughs> right. Um, and so they can do a lot of activities that we enjoy doing mm -hmm. um, and just kind of uh, be our companion as well as helping us out. Nice. Nice. No, that uh, that makes a lot of sense. Uh um, for sure. And, and the flexibility, right. It, it th there's more flexibility that, uh, that, that dogs lend to versus a snake or a rabbit, you know, when it mm -hmm. comes to hiking and we, as humans, we have flexible lives. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. That's why it's wonderful that we have so many breeds because mm -hmm. they are, you know, going to excel at different things. So yeah. One person's lifestyle can still accommodate a dog where another person's lifestyle would also accommodate a dog. It would be just a very different kind of dog. I see. So um, so so even as an adolescent, uh, those those dogs behaviors can be adjusted. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. The, oh. the 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 can't train an old dog new tricks is a wives tale. That's a wives tale. Right. Wives tale. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, yes. I hear you. I hear you 100%. So um, outside of, say, the dog's breed or the instincts of a dog, um, what makes a dog uh, what makes a dog aggressive? What makes a dog timid? I mean, uh, does does the environment contribute to that, I would imagine? Yes, the environment will contribute to that. Um, mm -hmm. So will genetics, um, just as if, you know, some of us are more timid or um, more uh, more of the fight end of the scale mm -hmm. um, or more anxious, the same thing can happen with dogs. Um, there's really, you know, some dogs, because of the way that we have bred them, they may mm -hmm. have certain drives. Um, and so you may encounter certain behaviors that may or may not be helpful because, right. for example, herding dogs, they love to put things in order. 
right? Yeah. Um, and if it moves, it must be, you know, kept, you know, herded. Yeah. Um, so, uh, so you're working against that instinct. So if some of it is genetics, some of it is their experiences, some of it is, um, your training. Right. Um, so there's, there's a, it's very much, um, a combination of things, um, and knowing your breed mm -hmm. and what your breeds tendencies are and what we bred them to do mm -hmm. would be mm -hmm. very helpful in tackling any of that undesirable behavior. Um, but again, you know, training can only go so far. Um, and some of it is just going to be that, you know, you need to be able to manage the environment, um, in certain situations, you know, right. um, so you can't necessarily train the problem away if it is deeply enough rooted. The other aspect of that, though, is our bandwidth as the yeah. owners, right? Mm -hmm. If you are working 60 hours a week and have two young children and you're having problems with your dog, that is a big project to take on when you've got all of that going on in your life. That's right. And, um, you know, recognizing whether or not you're going to be able to put in the work in order that for the dog to live in harmony with your home um, mm -hmm. is really important. Um, or if re recognizing that it may take longer because you can't uh, be as consistent or uh, put in as much time in the training part, because there's just not that room in your life. I got you. Yeah, no, that makes a lot of sense. And, uh, and, and, and if, if, if that busy adult is willing to put in the time and acknowledge that it's going to take more time because of their low bandwidth, um, then I, I, I guess that's fine as, as long as they, they put in the work. Um, I think mm -hmm. you made up, you may, you raised a very good point, Stephanie, regarding um, the importance of understanding the breed as well. Right. Because mm -hmm. in my, in my experience uh, and very, very, minuscule experience with uh with dogs compared to uh, professional dog trainers um but with 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 the dogs that i've had over the years you know understanding their their breed to, uh when it comes to um how much attention they need how much attention you know they they crave or are they the type of dog where you know you just uh you know put them in a room with a chew toy and they're good and, you know, when you come in, they're happy to see you. When you leave, they're not anxious. Um, you know, it's it, it, and, and getting, I guess, having a desire to attain the breed that is conducive to your lifestyle and your schedule. Mm -hmm. uh, is, is that also something to take into consideration for someone looking for a dog? It is. It is. And that can be a little bit challenging um, mm -hmm. because not everybody gets their dog from a breeder. Right. Um, you know, and sometimes the shelters don't, well, most times the shelters mm -hmm. do not know the breed. Right. Um, so the breeds that are put out there are their best guess based on what they're seeing in the dog yeah. physically, usually not even behaviorally. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, so, um, it can be hard when you want to rescue an animal, um, to, be able to kind of do your due diligence and make sure that you're at least not getting a breed that is going to be contrary to what you need the dog to be. Right. Got it. Yeah. Um, yeah. 
but all dogs, I mean, they're living, breathing, sentient creatures. And so all dogs need time. So it is not, it's not a little robot that you put up on the shelf and then take down when you have time for them. Um, and for, you know, it, it would be in some ways it might be nice, but you know, (laughs) they, they, (laughs) they need our attention just as much as we enjoy their attention. Um, and they have needs and we, as responsible dog owners, we need to step up to the plate and provide them with the needs that they have. Right. Absolutely. 100%. I mean, I, I walk, I walk my dog twice a day and, uh, and I know she's, she's only nine months old, but my goodness, she has a ton of energy. And so the walk does her good. It does me good. And uh, if, if mm-hmm. she goes a day without a walk and it's like, say, seven or eight in the evening, she's a little hard to deal with. You know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. She, she, she really is, you know, and uh, I mean, well, she's one of those adolescents that we were talking about earlier. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah, no, that's right. She is. Oh, my goodness. And, and they can they can have the same behaviors as human adolescents, to your point that you mentioned earlier, you know. Oh, my gosh. Uh, you know, Stephanie, one of the fascinating things that uh, I was thinking of is you were you were just explaining um, um, a minute ago regarding um, the adolescence is. Um, uh, dogs seem to have a balance between there's a side of them that lives in the moment, you know, mm-hmm. um, and, and they're so in the moment where. You can chastise them for, I don't know, chewing up the sofa, bad dog, bad dog. You can't blah, 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 you know, and then you leave the house and you go to the store, you get a cup of coffee and then you come back. And as soon as you walk in the door, they're just as happy, their tails wagging, they're shaking, they're happy to see you. It's not like, oh, no, I'm still pissed off at you. You cussed me out before you left. No, they are happy to see you They're, I mean, you know, and, and it's like all's forgotten under the bridge, you know. Um, so so there's one side of them that lives in the moment. And then there's another side from, like you said earlier, the repetition, whether it's um, the environment. Um, good practices or bad practices that kind of gets ingrained um, mm-hmm. that 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 becomes the source of the behavior, you know. So, um, like if someone, I, I had a friend of mine who had a who had a dog that did not like guys who wore baseball caps. I mm-hmm. mean, you know, the the a guy would come walking down the street wearing a baseball cap and you know and growling and everything. And, you know, it went back to the history where um, the previous owner had a baseball cap and abused her, you know. And and so um, that happened enough to where it's ingrained in her like a memory, you know, to mm-hmm. where it surfaces in present time. So um, can you speak a little bit about uh, that balance that, that dogs have between, you know, living in the moment and, um, and, and some of that learned behavior and from memory? Yeah, um, I'm not quite sure how to explain because in many cases, you're right, where, you know, you can scold your dog and five minutes later, you come walking in the room and they're like, oh, hi, how are you? It's good to see you. (laughs) Yeah. Um, At the same time, that repetition of that scary or painful behavior, whatever it is, um, will cause your dog to lose its resiliency. And that's what you're talking about when they're like, oh, okay, 
you know, everything's fine. Yeah. That's a resilient dog. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And so when they are constantly, you know, being optimistic, but being proven wrong, mm-hmm. that is going to change their ability to kind of bounce back from that. Mm. Um, and some dogs are naturally more resilient than others. You can right. help promote resiliency in dogs. Mm-hmm. But again, there is that genetic component where, you know, a, a dog that's not resilient, you may be able to get them better. Um, but you're probably not going to have a bomb proof dog. Um, okay. you know, um, and some dogs are just, they have so much resiliency mm-hmm. that, you know, you hear about the, the dogs that were rescued from abuse cases and they get rehomed and they are just so optimistic and they love everybody. Yeah. And yet having gone through such a, uh, a horrible experience that has not changed them. Um, wow. And so, you know, you have a spectrum basically that you're working with. Um, and that might be a theme you might, <laughs> that goes through our conversation today, because it really is about a spectrum when it comes to behavior. Um, most aggression cases, cause you asked me about aggression and what mm-hmm. might cause it mm-hmm. is it actually stems from fear. Um, okay. I've heard different numbers thrown out there anywhere from, you know, 70 to 90 percent um depending on who's talking about it right the majority of those aggressive what behaviors we call aggressive Mm -hmm. are really the dog being fearful and trying to scare the scary thing away i see i see um so very infrequently do you actually find a situation where a dog is just out to kill something Right. right. Um, And that would be what I would call a true aggression case. Otherwise, we're looking at the fight, flight, freeze or fidget. Yes. Kicking in and they happen to be the fighters. So they're barking, lunging, growling, snapping, trying to get the scary thing away Mm -hmm. um, so that it doesn't get them. Right. Yeah. Yeah. No. uh, Self-preservation. Right. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Even dogs do it. So. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, especially, yes, any living creature will do it, right? Self-preservation. Absolutely. Absolutely. So um, can you break down the difference between, let's say, a dog who is anxious from, and and, and then this is going to kind of, kind of segue into um, your role as a separation anxiety um, uh, 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 professional trainer. is there a difference between um, the anxiety a dog feels and I'm going to give my dog as an example, she's getting better by the way with this, but um, <laughs> <laughs> emergency vehicles, police, uh, police, you know, cars, fire trucks going down the street with their lights and the sirens on. Okay. Mm-hmm. Sets her off. Um, thunder and lightning, of course. And, we happen to live maybe a hundred, 200 yards from um, railroad tracks where, you know, a train comes by when it hits an intersection. I mean, it's a loud horn and you hear the horn and, and that kind of sets her off as well. So there's that anxiety. Okay. 
And then mm -hmm. there's the separation anxiety, I guess, when you leave a dog for too long, um, you know, and, and, and I'm wondering, is there a difference between the two types of anxieties? Um, and, and, and if so, is it the same method or practice as a separation anxiety uh, trainer um, that, that, that you, would, you would do to, uh, to, uh, to address those? So, um, first of all, I should say that I don't specialize in noise phobias. I have worked with some noise phobia cases, um, but very minimally. So I don't specialize in that. Okay. Um, but any, it, it, it seems to me like this is a difference in triggers. Um, mm -hmm. whereas we're still talking about anxiety, anxiety leading to panic. Mm -hmm. Um, and, um, which means that this is an emotional response to something in the environment, whether that mm -hmm. is the railroad tracks, the horns, um, it could be the vibrations on the, on the ground when the train goes by, there's, right. there's so many, um, factors for what you described that could be coming into play. Um, or it is, um, there are people leaving, right? They're convinced that this is unsafe. Yeah. And um, the way that I work with separation anxiety is very slowly, systematically desensitizing the dog to the different steps so that they learn. We keep them under threshold, under that panic point. Maybe a little bit uncomfortable sometimes, but no panic. Yeah. yeah. Um, and uh, so they're still able to think. So they're still able to learn that actually absences are not disastrous. It is not the right. end of life. Nothing right. is going to come and kill them. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, and then they can actually start learning that you do come back and nothing bad happens to them. Right. Um, so it's really about desensitizing them to the, uh, the, the trigger. Mm -hmm. Um, mm -hmm. what works best is to be able to break that trigger down into baby slices. Mm -hmm. Um, so for example, when you're talking about separation anxiety, you know, you may be breaking down that leaving process into all of those different steps. So if you're leaving and you pick up your keys, you put on your shoes, you grab your coat, um, you know, you walk out into the garage, you open the garage door, you get in the car. Those are a lot of steps. Mm -hmm. And so you need to break them down and desensitize the dog to all of those different things. Okay. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> it's a little bit harder when you can't control the train that's going through the intersection. <laughs> yeah, um, that's true. Because, you know, I would want to control things like the train speed and yes. the volume of the horn and yes. how big it is or how mm -hmm. long it lasts and all of those types of things. So mm -hmm. sound phobias can be a little bit harder um, to break down in that way. But I think that it's the same process. Um, uh, what you don't want to do is, you know, put the dog in the situation and just expect them to deal with it and what frequently happens is the dog it's called flooding and the dog just becomes overwhelmed and shuts down um mm -hmm. and not making any progress um mm -hmm. in in that situation in fact it actually increases the uh the fear because in a lot of dogs because they can't do anything about it they can't stop it mm, i see i see wow and it's called flooding, right? 
Yes, it's when you basically just put the dog in the situation and expect them to deal with it. Oh, yeah. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, that's uh, that. That's yeah. I don't know if that's negligent or abusive or or, <laughs> or or maybe just ignorant on the part of the human. I don't know. But um, but when you put it that way, it, it oh, gosh, it makes me feel so bad for the poor for the poor dog um, in that situation. Um, wow. Wow. So yeah. it yeah. can be tough. And yeah. those, those noise phobias are really tough. Um, you know, getting the sounds and playing them at lower levels, yeah. having white noise when you know that stuff is happening. Right. The fireworks right. are a big thing. Fireworks yeah. are huge. Yeah. That so, too was, was big. Yeah. Yeah. If you know a thunderstorm is coming and a fireworks are, are happening, maybe mm-hmm. you can use, you know, some sound machines to help with that. Um, mm-hmm. Do some desensitization mm-hmm. beforehand. Um starting at low volumes for those noises. The mm-hmm. thing is that usually things like thunderstorms are also accompanied by things like um, uh, air pressure changes. And yes. you can't, you can't fix that. You can't, you can't desensitize to that, right? No. It either right. is pressure or it's a different pressure pressure. Yes. So. Yes. And, and, and I, and I hear that, that dogs, um, they are very much in tune with, um, with, uh, like the vibration of the ground or, mm-hmm. you know, like our backyard, we, we have this big glass patio door that slides and, and uh, beyond our backyard is a, a big wide open field and then a heavily wooded area. And, uh, and, and there's, there's coyotes out there. And so, um, you know, I was told that, you know, my dog can, can sense when the coyotes are out there, I may not be able to see them or hear them, but she can sense that. And, it causes her to like look out the glass door, which is nothing but pitch black dark, and start barking. You know, <laughs> there's something um, out there. Yeah, it's one of the reasons why we have our dogs, right? To kind yeah, of let us right. know when there's something to be concerned about. Yes, absolutely, absolutely. And you know, um, the, the 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 reason why I I said earlier that um, I believe my dog is getting better with. Um, um, over time, when it comes to the um, the sirens and the the train, um, thunder and lightning still have to work with, uh, and that's kind of <laughs> hard. Like you said, to your point, air pressure. Um, but with the trains and at least the sirens, is you know most of the times when she hears those, it's in the evening. And my wife and I we're at home in the evening, you know, and so mm. when she hears it, whether it's the train or the siren, and we're here and you know we give the disposition of hey everything's fine we're going about our life and nothing out of the ordinary is happening you know um it's not defcon five and one you know and 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 she she sees that and notices that about us and so now when the train you know toots its horn um she doesn't as much um growl or bark or go hysterical you know same with the siren i mean is is do you think that's the reason why it's slowly getting better over time yeah i think that your modeling is is helping um and any reassuring that you had given her in the past um Mm -hmm. we we have a a cue in our house it's just the tv Mm -hmm. (laughs) 
because we used to have a dog um, that every time there was a doorbell or yeah. a drill noise or, you know, some kind of noise that she couldn't identify yeah. um, would happen on the TV, mm-hmm. um, she would lose her mind. Yeah. Right. Right. Um, and so, um, you know, it was getting better with the calm, but then we just decided, okay, let's, let's name this. It's just the TV. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And, um, you know, now she may kind of go and, (laughs) but then we say it's just the TV and and she's like, okay. And that's if she even reacts at all, because now she's started to realize that, Mm -hmm. oh, you know, that sounds a little bit different or, you know, um, and so part of it is basically conditioning, just like we're conditioned to all of the weird, crazy things that go around on around us. Yeah. We learn how to tune it out. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, and you know, so we're not paying attention to the fact that, you know, this is the sirens are happening, right? Yeah. They don't phase us anymore. We just know, okay, well, that's going to be bad for somebody, but we're fine. Um, and so we are conditioned to pay attention to certain things as opposed to other things. And then just kind of drown the other stuff out or block the other stuff out because it is not important information. And so by modeling that for our dogs, we can teach them that, you know, all of the crazy things that go on with our human world, they are really not as, um, as scary or as, um, important. It's not their business. They don't need to be concerned about it. Yeah. Um, and some dogs do that better than others. And some humans do that for their dogs better than others. So, um, you know, uh, but we always have to remember they were not, you know, yes, we've had them with us, but think of the world now as compared to 50 years ago or a hundred years ago, it's very different. Mm -hmm. They are, they are used, they are genetically engineered to be in a completely different environment than what we're asking them to be in now. Mm. Um, And so um, we have to kind of take that into consideration and kind of help them understand what in this world is a problem and what in this world is not something they need to worry about. Mm, Very true. Very, very true. Um, I'm glad you pointed that out. Uh, it, it's to some degree um, selective, or um, or what's the word I'm thinking of? Uh, discerning, right? Um, in 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 what things are uh, problematic and other things that are just you know should be tuned out or prioritizing. Mm-hmm. I guess. Yeah. Yes. Uh, that's yes. that's awesome. That that is awesome. So um, I wanted to know. Um, it's been it's been said that you know having a dog can improve one's self esteem or improve one's mood, um, and obviously can help one's heart. I mean, with daily walks and so forth. Um, and you know, for someone who I don't want to say is depressed or, but someone who may be a bit down or blue, you know, and say they live alone. I mean to have a dog that can help lift their spirits, you know, um, I, I, that's what I've heard. But at the same time, at the same time, um, isn't there a certain mood level or disposition that that person should have to be equipped for providing the type of environment to where they can be and have a cohesive living arrangement with their dog? 
Well, I think for sure, um, at the very least, they need to be in a position where they can care for themselves and another creature, another being. Right. Um, if they are struggling daily just to get out of bed, mm-hmm. um, then um, they are not they're not in a place where they're ready um, to bring any animal into their home because right. that animal is going to need care. Um, and so if they're having, if they're struggling to care for themselves, then that would be a red flag for me. Having okay. said that, I know a lot of different, I, many of my clients, um, suffer from different disabilities and they actually do have more fulfilling lives with their dogs. Um, it becomes even, it, it can also have the opposite effect though. If you are having behavior issues with your dog, or you're dealing with separation anxiety with your dog and you can't leave your dog alone to go out with friends Mm -hmm. or you can't take your dog on a walk because he's going to lose its mind at everything that passes. Um, that can actually be very isolating and, and, um, really, uh, cause people to feel very alone and like they're the only person that has, this situation. And so it can be really, really, um, it can have the opposite effect of, of, uh, building people up and, and improving their moods. It can actually make things very difficult, even for the most able-bodied, you know, um, mental health wise, healthy person. Yeah. Um, because you know, it feels like you're all by yourself. Yeah. Um, and you, and you don't know what to do and, uh, you love the dog um and so you're just kind of at your wits end Mm, gotcha i see um and that that makes sense i mean it can be a very isolating feeling i'm sure and Mm -hmm. and, yeah yeah Yeah. um so uh i want to i want to get your thought on this because uh I've, i've had a friend of mine and most most of my friends who are pet owners you know they've said you know and they relate to their dog as you know there's like like their child right mm-hmm. and uh and they say hey daddy will get you something to eat or mommy will get you something to eat or mommy will take you for a walk you know um and 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 this this one particular friend of mine she said you know uh, i her she had two dogs she says i'm not their mom i'm not their mom um you know we live together and i feed them i take them for walks you know, and I show them where their places are in the house. And when they go out, I let them out. I mean, um, and, 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 and she loves her dogs, you know, um, mm-hmm. but I mean, is, what is the true relationship dynamic? Is it, is it like, you know, mommy or daddy, uh, or is it living companion or is it whatever works for that living environment? I think whatever works for that living environment, whether you okay. call yourself a pet parent, mommy, mm-hmm. daddy, mm-hmm. an owner, a guardian, mm-hmm. um, really it's about not what you're naming that relationship, but what that relationship is. Um, okay. And so, you know, some people view their relationship more as a, a as a parenting role. And mm-hmm. that's going to kind of, to me, it's more about, what their understanding of parenthood is versus ownership, guardianship. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's a distinction that the individual makes. 
Um, But ultimately we have a responsibility to make sure that we are taking care of all of our dog's needs. And those are not just physical. Um, They, they have, you know, um, emotional needs and they need to feel safe. Mm -hmm. Um, And uh, it's not just about, uh, I actually just did a blog post about this, about um, it's not just about um, making sure they have their, annual or biannual vet visits and their vaccinations. And then they have food and dinner and go potty however many times a day. Right. Um, That there's so much more to their needs. And regardless of what you call yourself, if you're fulfilling those needs, Mm -hmm. then you're being, you're having a great relationship with your dog. That's good. That's awesome. That's awesome. Thank you for sharing that. Um, one of the last questions I have for you, Stephanie, is, um, you know, are there things that we can learn about ourselves uh, when observing our pet's behavior or, say, an, another, you know, an, someone else's pet's behavior um, at different times, whether it's, you know, um, having the dog out in public or just walking down the street or just sitting in the living room watching TV, you know, is there anything we can learn about ourselves when watching their behavior? Well, I think um, every living creature is always learning. So Mm -hmm. um, yes, I think that there are things that we can learn about ourselves. Um, Dogs are their, their first language, so to speak is body language. Mm -hmm. Um, And many times they recognize things in us Mm-hmm. that we are um, either choosing to or are just oblivious to. We're either choosing to ignore them or are oblivious to them being there. And so th- sometimes their actions can kind of help us be a little bit more introspective. Um, I know that when I'm starting to feel like I'm a little bit overwhelmed or there's a little bit too much on my plate, Um, That is when uh, my dog will decide that nap time is over and he needs to come and, you know, um, come and sit by me. If I've been on the computer too long, Uh you know, he'll come and and put his head right under my, one of my arms that I'm typing with and flip his nose to get me to stop. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and, And it is only then that I will realize, oh yeah, I'm, I'm needing a break. Yeah. And so I think that that our dogs can tell us a lot if we do um, take the time to listen. Sometimes we, our first language is not body language, at least not dog body language. And so we miss a lot of the early signs um, because when we start noticing is when it's the obvious stuff and particularly the undesirable stuff. We'll notice that a dog is uncomfortable or uh, concerned about something when the growl happens. Right. Right. Yeah. But there's several steps and ways that they have displayed that they're concerned before that happens. Before that. Um, and we just don't notice it because we're not really paying attention to those subtle signs. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's one of the things that I work a lot with my clients on. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Because um, so many things, if you're stepping in earlier and you're being proactive you know, you can, you can stop the fight between the two dogs that live together from happening, or you can stop the reactivity to the dog on the leash, um, simply by addressing it early enough and giving the dog what it needs in order to feel safer. 
So I work a lot with, you know, helping them understand their dogs better. Wonderful. Fantastic. So how can the listeners connect with you and learn more about uh, dog panions and, and the great services that you provide? So I, um, I do have a website, dogpanions.com. Um, okay. That's where uh, my blog goes up. Um, mm-hmm. But I'm also on uh, Facebook, um, and that is uh, Dog Panions USA. Mm-hmm. Um, that's my business page. Mm-hmm. And then Instagram is just um, at Dog Panions. And um, then I'm also on LinkedIn. A lot of stuff. I know you're not supposed to do this on social media, but a lot of cross-posting. Yeah. Um, so you don't have to follow me on all of these things. It'll probably be a lot of the same information. Um, but I'm on LinkedIn at Stephanie-Barger-Dogpanions. Um, nice. And then where we met, I'm on Alignable. So oh, um, great. Yeah. So that's where we where where we managed to connect. So yeah. Um, Different places. Um, a lot of my posts tend to be on the educational side, trying to help um, you know people out there with dogs get mm-hmm. um, more information on how to live a better life with their dog. Fantastic. And we're going to make sure and uh, place uh, direct links to uh, your social mediums uh, on the episode show notes so the listeners can directly click those links as they're listening to this awesome conversation to learn more about you while they're, while they're hearing, hearing, hearing the conversation. So, uh, man, good stuff. Good stuff for sure. Stephanie Barger. Thank you. Thank you so much for coming on the show. I would be thrilled if, uh, you can come back say six or eight months later and give the listeners an update in what's going oh, on. I with would Dark love Hades. that. Would you? Yeah, I would love that. Yes. Uh, this has okay. been great. I really enjoyed this talk. Oh, well, thank you. I have equally, equally enjoyed it and uh, really, really appreciate your time today, Stephanie. Stephanie, we are now about to go into a segment I like to call Three for the Road. And in Three for the Road, that's where I ask my guests three random yet thought-provoking questions, and I challenge them to answer each one in five words or less. So what do you say? You think you're up for it? I'll give it a try. I, this part has kind of made me think a lot uh, since we decided to do this. So we'll see if I can keep it to five. Okay. Okay. Nope. Fantastic. So uh, my questions are not cookie cutters. Okay. I don't ask the same questions to every guest. So that it's based on their specialty and their profession. So here we go with question number one for three for the road. All right. Okay. In fact, you know what? All three questions are going to surround the mind of the dog. Okay. Pretend that you are inside the mind of a dog um, and you are like the narrator. I don't know if oh, you ever saw. Oh, wouldn't that be nice? Wouldn't that be nice? <laughs> yeah. I don't know if you ever saw the the old, older movie from, I guess, the 80s or 90s called uh, Look Who's Talking. Um, mm-hmm. Kirstie Alley and uh, 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 John Travolta. Uh, the baby was the voice of Bruce Willis, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, uh, and, and and there was some narration there, right? So um, in the mind of a dog, okay, I'm going to give you a situation. And then you tell me in five words or less what that dog is thinking, okay? So the first situation, you are on a busy street, on a busy sidewalk um, of a town, have your dog on a leash. And a bus 
stops right at the corner where you are to let people out. What is going through the dog's mind at that time? Oh. It stops right in front of us? Yeah. Right at the corner. Um, you're waiting across the crosswalk. Oh, see, that's so hard because it depends on the breed. Um, <laughs> let's say your dog. <laughs> let's, let's use your dog. Ooh, people. Ooh, people. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Just very excitable, right? Yes, yes. Ooh, people. I like it. Okay. He, he loves people. Oh, fantastic. Fantastic. Okay. So uh, the next situation. You and your dog are stranded on an island. And the territory is completely unfamiliar to both of you. And it starts to get dark for the first night. What's going through your dog's mind then? Probably something very similar to what's going through mine. <laughs> um, I'm sure. Take cover. Take cover. Okay. Yeah. Protect yourself, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yep. Fantastic. Fantastic. All right. So uh, the third question, the top us off for three for the road. You are going over a friend's house with your dog to see their new baby. And your dog lays his eyes on the new baby for the first time. Mm -hmm. What is going through your dog's mind then? What the heck is that? <laughs> <laughs> I like that. What the <laughs> heck is that? That's five words. <laughs> Oh, fantastic. Well, Stephanie, you knocked this one out of the park. <laughs> uh, <laughs> the first, the first, let's see, the first and second question, I think you still had some words to spare. So, uh, <laughs> yes, <yeah>. I did. <laughs> yeah, you did. So, so thanks so much for uh, three for the road. You know, uh, again, you knocked it out of the park and you know your dog quite well in uh, what's going through his mind when <laughs> those situations like those happen. God forbid situation number two doesn't happen to you and your dog. Yeah, let's, fingers crossed. Yeah, fingers crossed. <laughs> let's hope that doesn't happen anytime soon, right? <laughs> exactly. Ever. <laughs> Ever. Ever. That's right. <laughs> oh, fantastic. Great. And I want to thank all of you for tuning in and listening. And look, if you have a loved one or a colleague relative, friend, uh, who seems to be down and out, um, um, seems to not have any direction or anywhere to turn, uh, just, just going through dark days of despair, I humbly ask that you please share this show with them. Because on the road to rediscovery, we want our listeners to understand two things. Number one, you're not alone. And number two, there is always hope. The Road to Rediscovery, it's a movement, a revolution. And guess what? You are now part of it. We're all roadies on this journey of life. And it sure feels good having you on the road with me. Thanks again for listening. We'll chat again soon. We really hope you enjoyed this episode of The Road to Rediscovery. We'd love to hear from you. Shoot us an email at roadsrediscoverypodcast at gmail.com and leave us any questions or comments you may have. The Roads Rediscovery is an AJ Shark production.